0: Navigating the spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm so happy to have you with me. Today I have Kimberly Dowdell, and she was actually she married her high school sweetheart and is currently raising three teenagers and her son Jack, whom she lovingly refers to as her homie with an extra chromie so kimberly is a zumba instructor and loves a good diet coke and country music (laughs) so kimberly thank you so much for being with me today thank you for having me i'm excited to be here I'm so happy to have you. So for those of you listening, we're going to start at the beginning of Kimberly's story. So we know she has four children, but we're going to focus in on her experience with Jack and what that has been like for her and for her family. So I guess my first question for you, Kimberly, is just I I would like to know what the first day's specifically the diagnosis experience was like for you let's start there okay so first of all
1: so jack is our fourth child and after having three kids you kind of think that you've got everything down you know what you're doing and My husband had just started a new job. He just finished going back to school and he had been offered a new job and he was doing eight weeks of training in Chicago. We knew that the baby would be born during this time while he was doing training. And we had arranged with, with my doctor to have Jack be induced so that we could plan to have my husband there while Jack was born. So my husband left, he went off for the training, and a week later, I went into labor on my own, which was totally unexpected. I was in denial. I didn't think I was having the baby. I didn't want to have the baby. I was trying to talk myself out of it. And luckily, my sister and her husband were in town. They were visiting. And... My sister kept saying, do you want me to stay around? Do you think you're having the baby? Because actually, she really wanted to be there for the birth. She was so excited. She'd never been on the other end of it before. And I said, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Go home. I'm not in labor. I really should have known better knowing that it was my (laughs) fourth child. I should have known, yes, I am in labor, but I was in complete denial. So I sent them out the door. They got in the car. She called me from the gas station. And I said, actually... I'm going to go to the hospital. And she said, do you think I should turn around? And I cried and I said, yes. And so she turned around and we drove to the hospital together. I barely made it inside, got inside. I was already dilated to a five. And so I just cried because I did not want to have this baby without my husband there. I just didn't want to have him not be there for that experience with me but it was too late. I was having the baby and my sister was just like lighting off fireworks. She was so excited to be there. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that she was. So it went really fast. I had Jack and soon after he was born, the doctor and the nurses were kind of whispering in hushed tones. And I remember that the doctor said, um, is there a heart murmur? And the nurses saying, no, there isn't a heart murmur. And And I was like, oh, okay, good. No heart murmur. I didn't really know what that meant or why they were asking that question. And then they started asking me other questions like, so does he look like any of his other siblings? And I remember looking at his face and I thought something looked different, but I couldn't put any words to what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, newborns, their faces are kind of squished and funny looking right after birth anyway. And I was so exhausted and I was so tired. I mean, I was kind of like, oh man, I did it. He's here. I did Mm -hmm. it. He's here. So I'm holding this baby and they're still asking me, does he look like anybody? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think this baby looks like any of my other kids, but I'm thinking to myself, why are they asking me all of these strange questions? It was probably a couple hours later that the pediatrician walked in the room and he said, so I hear that he looks like Blake, like is our third child. And I'm looking at the baby and I'm like, maybe, I don't know. I don't think he looks like Blake, but sure. You know, my sister mm-hmm. had said he looked like Blake and my mother-in-law had said he looks like Blake. So I thought, sure. If you think he looks like Blake. And so the pediatrician, he walked himself in. That was a new pediatrician. I'd never, I'd never met this guy before. And he, I was still in the labor and delivery room because my epidural hadn't completely worn off, and so I couldn't move. I was in the delivery bed, and he walks in, and he stands, and leans up against the countertop that's across from me, and he folds his arms, and he just says, "So, we think the baby has might have Down syndrome," and I had no words. I. I couldn't say anything. I was frozen. I literally could not say anything. And I think him seeing my reaction, he didn't know what to say. And so he just says, Oh, well, I don't know why I said that. I shouldn't have said that. I probably shouldn't have said that. He probably doesn't. So just try to go to sleep and get some rest tonight because he probably doesn't have down syndrome. And I felt like my whole world had been shattered. I thought I was going to start to cry. My husband wasn't there. I had had this baby alone. Luckily my sister was there. And I looked up at my sister with tears in my eyes. And she said to me, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I believed her and I really clung to her words because I needed those words in that moment. I was so terrified. And then the doctor left the room and I, I could not speak. I was exhausted and I was in shock and I was holding this new baby, looking at this baby thinking, how can my baby have down syndrome? Everything that I had hoped for and dreamed of for this baby, all of a sudden Was shattered. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't spent a lot of time around other children with special needs, specifically with Down syndrome. And my mind started to be flooded with all of the worst case scenarios that you could possibly think of, of what that was going to mean for his life and for mine. And I called my husband on the phone, and it was probably, he was in Chicago, it was probably one o'clock in the morning. And I said, the doctor thinks the baby has down syndrome. And he said, well, is he there? Can I talk to him? And I said, no, he's already left. And he had all these questions that he had wanted me to ask the doctor. And I, my mind was blank. I could not think I couldn't do anything. I was completely frozen. And I just, I hung up the phone and both my sister and I did not sleep a wink that entire night. I think we both cried the entire night. And we spent the next couple of days looking at Jack and we would have moments where we would be like, yep, he for sure has down syndrome. He looks like he has down syndrome. And then we would have another moment where we would say, no, he doesn't, he does not have down syndrome. And it took a couple of days for that blood work to come back. they run a fish. It's called a fish test. Mm-hmm. And when the diagnosis came back, the pediatrician called me on the phone and confirmed that he did have down syndrome and we, we cried. Yeah, And it took a while to work through some of that grief um, Mm -hmm. that
0: comes with receiving that diagnosis. And don't you think some of that grief comes from not knowing what to expect? There's fear there because you don't know what the future holds. And so you have to mourn what you thought the future held and kind of hold on to the fact that you don't, Maybe fully understand what the future holds. And that's kind of scary.
1: Absolutely. And I think something that was really important for me my friends had, or not my friends, my parents, well,
0: they're my (laughs) friends too.
1: have a really good friend who is a neonatal specialist. And Mm -hmm. as soon as Jack was born, they called him and they said, you know, our son was born, our grandson was born with Down syndrome. What are some things that we could look for? And he gave us some really good direction and things to ask. The thing that he said that sticks out the most is he said, tell your daughter that it's okay to grieve. It's Mm -hmm. okay for her to have these feelings that she's having that is completely normal. And it wasn't, it wasn't until he said that to me Mm -hmm. that I was able to kind of lean into that experience because I felt really guilty for, for feeling sad. I had a lot of people around me and all with good intentions, but a lot of people around me and the nurses in the hospital who said, this is so amazing. Oh my gosh. You are so lucky that you get to raise this child with Down syndrome. I just love people with Down syndrome. You are going to be so lucky. This is going to be such an amazing experience. And I wasn't feeling that way. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: would just become more sad and more frustrated when people would say that to me in the beginning, because I wasn't excited about it. So people would tell me that I should be excited. I felt like something was wrong with me because I wasn't excited. And it wasn't until I, he said, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel sad. That I really, I think that's kind of when the healing process started
0: because I Mm -hmm. allowed myself to have those feelings. Mm. I think that's, that's really special. And what a smart, wise man to say that. I, I think that's pretty perfect. I, sometimes we feel like you said, that guilt of I'm just supposed to love this experience and love my child and not have any other feelings other than that, but it doesn't always work that way. And it doesn't mean you aren't a phenomenal mom. It just means sometimes it's a process and sometimes we have to switch gears and just say, okay, it's different than what I thought. Now let's move forward and see what that means and try to shed some of that The fear of not knowing along the way, which starts with receiving the diagnosis, right? We receive that and that's kind of step one and that's a process. And then you move through time and now here you are in Jack's eleven. And you've experienced 11 years of Jack's life. And I guess my question for you would be, what have you learned from the diagnosis to now? What have you learned about yourself as a parent? Well, honestly, it's hard to believe that it's been 11 years. I, if <laughs> I
1: look back at myself 11 years ago. I could not imagine today. I really have just learned to take everything day by day, week by week. And I really try not to focus too much or too far into the future because it becomes really overwhelming when I mm-hmm. focus too far into the future. But, you know, sometimes I just have to give myself a pat on the back because I have learned so much yes. about the special needs community. And I have learned that I'm I'm stronger than I thought that I was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember feeling like there are so many other people that could do this better than me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm qualified for this. I don't know if I, if I can do this, why me? And now I look back over the 11 years and why not me? Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot. And there's so much that I've learned to share with other people. I look at, you know, situations in the special ed world. Mm -hmm. And I'm so much more empathetic and understanding towards those other individuals who have gone through similar experiences. And Mm -hmm. I have so much more love and respect for them
0: than I would have if I hadn't been through this. Mm -hmm. Plus, I feel like I look at my kids and I think, wow, there are some really challenging experiences that have completely changed me. And like you were saying, you look at other parents and say, I I understand what you're talking about. You just say special education, and that's a whole other journey, right? And you know what that, yeah, you know what's behind that door. And so you're able to empathize with those parents, and it does change your heart and the way you see and feel other people's experiences. So tell me, I would love to hear something really fabulous about Jack, like some really fun story, something that just makes you happy when you think about Jack.
1: Okay, one of our favorite stories about Jack, and it's still ongoing, but it probably (laughs) happened a couple of years ago we love the Twilight series in our family. Devin and I love Twilight and we've challenged our kids to read the books. And so our, our oldest has read it. I don't think we convinced our second oldest to read it, but then we convinced our third child to read the Twilight series. He's an avid book reader. He loves books. And we said, if you read the Twilight books, we'll watch the movies together as a family. Mm -hmm. And so he did, he read the books and so we started watching these movies together. And when we got to the second movie, I think is New Moon, um, if any of you have ever read these Twilight Books or are familiar with the movies, <laughs> you know about Edward and Jacob and you know, the Vampires and the werewolves. Mm-hmm. And we're watching the scene where Jacob turns into a werewolf. and Jack is sitting with us, and all of a sudden he jumps off off the couch and he is just like, whoa what like he did not believe that this human just turned into a werewolf right in front of his eyes and he had a very vivid imagination he plays make-believe with his make-believe characters all the time and so he was in this really big twilight phase for a while and so we thought for christmas this was two years ago i thought i wonder if i can find some twilight figurines to give him for Christmas. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I got on Amazon and sure enough, I was able to find a Bella and Edward and a Jacob. And when he opened those figurines on Christmas morning, I mean, it was as if it was the Christmas of all Christmases. It was (laughs) his mind had been completely blown. He opened up the Jacob doll and he just, his reaction was like, Oh, Jacob! You know, oh, I can't believe I got Jacob. Oh, it's just so cute and sweet about it. But that phase still continues to live on. He still loves Twilight. He still talks about it. Sometimes he likes to prepare, pretend that he's a vampire. Sometimes <laughs> he likes to pretend that he's a werewolf. I'll post things on my Instagram stories sometimes about his his passion for twilight and everybody just loves it. It is hilarious how much he loves twilight. Oh, I love that. Just his
0: joy for simple things. I think that is, that's fantastic. I, I love that you shared that story. I'll have to meet Jack someday. If I'm ever in your neck of the woods, I'll just come maybe, ring your doorbell. be your best friend. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I love that you shared that. So what would you say, has been more challenging or just as challenging as you thought it would be? Mm -hmm. Is there any one thing? I'm sure there's so many. You know, I was kind of sitting down before talking with you and thinking about
1: those different things that are challenging. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that are challenging are things that I actually never would have expected. I think going into this when he was born, what I was most worried about was how other people would react to to him Mm -hmm. and what his life was going to be like around those who don't have special needs. Would Mm -hmm. people accept him? Would they love him? Would he get teased? I think that's kind of where my mind went. Mm -hmm. I didn't, And also, I think when he was born, I was worried, oh, my gosh, is he ever going to walk? Is he ever going to talk? Like all of those simple things. And as he's grown and gone to school, the challenges that have come with just school have been really difficult. I mean, more Mm -hmm. so than I expected. Mm -hmm. And as my husband and I were kind of talking about this, you know, we talked about how we really like to try and focus on the things that are really positive about Jack, the things that are good, because mm-hmm. we feel like the more we focus on the negative behaviors, we see more of those negative behaviors, but we yeah. also like to keep our own spirits up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We like to remind ourselves of the things that are really good about Jack and the good things and positive things that he's doing in his life. But uh, I love that. some of the things that have been really challenging, I mean, at the beginning, he had a lot of health issues. I had no idea that individuals with Down syndrome had more respiratory issues that they had smaller nasal and sinus cavities Hmm. um, that they were more prone to having uh, heart failure, diabetes, thyroid issues. He is actually deaf in one ear. They found that he um, wasn't born with the nerves to even have any hearing. So he can't wear a hearing aid in that ear. He couldn't have a cochlear implant because his, he just didn't develop the hearing in that ear. I also didn't know, we found this out later on. um, He was born with what's called duodenal atresia. So his stomach wasn't attached to his intestines. Oh, wow. He was born and it, it took the doctors two weeks to diagnose that. And so he lost an extraordinary amount of weight within those first two weeks of life. He, he almost died. We really consider his life just to be a miracle that he's here Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: he, he lived and he made it through that surgery. And so that was really challenging, you know, working through all of those different things and the annual doctor's visits and the blood work that has, has come along with that every year because children with down syndrome are more likely to have leukemia um, I, I already said diabetes and thyroid issues. Mm-hmm. So we have to have blood work done for those things every year to test for that. And then I think learning to navigate the special needs world, it's almost like learning a new language. It is. you know, you. Learning what an IEP is and how that works. And I think that I'm still trying to learn that. Yeah. And I understand I'm, that. <laughs> I'm with you and on that. It's a different meeting. And yep. a lot of times I sit in those meetings and I think, oh my gosh, I need someone to interpret for me because can you just use this in plain words? I don't understand mm-hmm. what it is that you're saying. And they actually should,
0: but that's for that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We've, we've had to learn how to work through behavior issues for him. Um, we don't notice as much behavior at home, but he has a lot of behavior issues at school. And so he's he has a behavior folder that he comes home with. And if he gets happies, we call him happies or uh-ohs. If he gets happies, then he gets a slurpee. He loves slurpees. So love his that. favorite is the Coke flavor at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Well, if he gets happy, he gets to go and get a Slurpee at the end of the day when he gets home from school. I mean, we're still working on speech. He has a lot of occupational therapy. I mean, just learning how to engage a zipper. I mean, that's something who would ever think that that is something that is a difficult task to engage a zipper? Yes. But he's still working on learning to engage a zipper. Um, You know, physical therapy was really hard in the beginning. I thought he would never walk. He didn't walk until he was three years old. And then Devin had a dream of him chasing Jack. And I remember him telling me about that dream. He said, I dreamt that I was chasing Jack. He said, He's gonna walk, he's gonna run someday. And I remember feeling so frustrated that it would never happen. It was never going to come. But but it did. So everything just takes time. I think that we've learned to have a lot of patience through all of these different stages of his life and patience and knowing that he'll get there and it's gonna be on Jack's timetable. It's not going to be on our timetable mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's okay not to feel rushed to go through these things and it's okay not to compare him to his typical peers and it's okay to not have expectations that he needs to be like everybody else. Yes, because sometimes when I get into that mindset of, Oh my gosh, like kids who are 11 and are typical are doing this. And then my husband will pull me back and he'll say, But Kim, look at what these other kids don't have that Jack has and what Jack is able to do that these other kids aren't able to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I love that he has that perspective because it's true. There are things that Jack has that no one else has and things that he can bring to a group of people. And ways that he can make them feel that other kids aren't able to do. And I think that's really special.
0: It is really special. And I also think your approach and your husband's approach, both of your, I call it your perspective, is pretty special. It is what I talk about with parents often is just saying, this is my child. This is where they are, and I accept them for everything that they are and wherever they get to whatever milestones they reach or don't reach. I still accept them for exactly who they are and exactly where they are. And I think that takes time to get to that place of just complete. It's almost like surrender. <laughs> it is, it's like a surrender, but not in a bad way. It's just a surrender to what is. And just to say, stop wanting it to be different. Not that we do, but we just, we want them to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And so, it's it's a balance between pushing them to become their, their best selves and also accepting wh- exactly where they are. So I think that your perspective is really fantastic.
1: Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is too, is that you kind of think there will be a day that you are in complete acceptance of their diagnosis that there will no longer be any grief or any sadness. (laughs) And I want to say that it's okay to still have moments of grief and sadness, because a lot of times people don't tell you that Mm -hmm. they, on the outside, it appears like everything is great and everything is okay. And That person knows exactly what they're doing. And I still have moments today, even though I've accepted the diagnosis and we love Jack and we're so proud of where he's at. I still have moments where I will sit back and I'll be like, oh, this is hard. Yes. And I will think about, there will be moments where I'll think about, oh, if only, or what if he didn't have Down syndrome, you know? Mm And I think that that's normal. And I think it is. And I think if I didn't allow myself to have those feelings, then that wouldn't be normal. Mm -hmm. And I would just be in denial of
0: what this life is that we're living. Yes. That it's imperfect, right? It's, it's imperfect and that's okay. And it is, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, I was telling a friend the other day, I said, you know, I haven't necessarily embraced the hard or the difficult, I'm not like wrapping my arms around it and embracing it, but I am able to accept that it is there and that it exists and that that's what life That's what life can be. A lot of really tricky, challenging moments intermingled with all of these beautiful experiences that we have along the way. I I actually feel like you may have just answered one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, which was, what would you say to other parents that might help them on their journey? However, because I love that you just said, it's okay that you have mourning processes throughout Basically, I just paraphrased that, (laughs) but maybe there's something else on your mind that you would say to parents,
1: you know, looking back when we first received the diagnosis, you know, we were going through a hard time and we were working through those feelings and those thoughts and those emotions. And I think a lot of people not knowing how to respond and just wanting to comfort you and make you feel better about the situation. They say things off the cuff thinking that it's going to help and that Mm -hmm. it's going to make you feel good. And sometimes it actually just ends up cutting really deep and some of those things. So if anyone is listening that maybe knows someone who receives a diagnosis like this, I would suggest not to say I'm sorry. It's funny Mm -hmm. because I actually had a friend who first called me after Jack was born and she told me, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I know she meant it in a loving way. It wasn't in a way of, Oh, I'm sorry that you have this child with Down syndrome. I know that's Mm -hmm. not what she meant, but after she got off the phone with me, it was probably the next day she called me back and she said, I actually Googled what to say and saying, I'm sorry. Isn't what you're supposed to say. So I'm sorry for saying, I'm sorry. (laughs)
0: we can Google everything answers to life.
1: <laughs> and I, and I understand
0: people, they just don't
1: know what to say when, you know, someone receives a diagnosis like this. And the other thing that I have had people say to me a lot, which I feel like kind of puts a lot of pressure on me and they mean it in the best way is, you know, these children are only born to the best people mm. and, I know that they mean that in a good way and they are telling me that they think I'm one of the best people which is a compliment mm-hmm. but it also sometimes makes me feel more unqualified yes because I feel like it puts me on this pedestal that I don't feel like I'm on mm-hmm. and that I don't deserve to be on mm-hmm. because I have all of these underlying feelings and emotions going on of of not feeling qualified and not feeling like I know enough and not feeling like I'm prepared to do this job. And so I think it would be helpful if maybe people, instead of saying only these children are born to the best, best people is maybe saying something that is going to strengthen that individual And help them just feel your support. You know, I am here for you if you ever need to talk. And I love you. And we are so excited to get to know Jack. We are so excited to have him, you know, be a part of our family or our play group. We can't wait to learn more about him and watch him grow. I think some things like that would be more helpful than, you know, saying they're only born to the best people. Mm Mm-hmm. And then another, another thing that I have had people say to me is I always wanted a child with down syndrome. Oh, you are so lucky. I always wanted to have a child born with down syndrome. And that was a really hard one in the beginning too, because now I see where they were coming from. They see this child who is really happy and fun and silly and loving, you know, that's what. People see on the outside when they're around Jack, or maybe that's what they see. If they come to my Instagram page and they see the pictures and he is all of those things. Um, He's thoughtful and he's sweet, but people don't understand the challenges that come with raising a child with Down syndrome. And they just, they just see that happy person. And for me at the time when he was first born, I, I thought, oh, something is wrong with me because I didn't, I didn't want this. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should have wanted this. Is there something wrong with me because I didn't want this? And someone else said that they've always wanted to have this experience. Mm -hmm. But then as I look back on those words, and now that I have a little bit of hindsight, I just realized that, you know, they saw the person that Jack is now and that's the person that they got to interact with. And my husband kind of describes it as it's like sending your kids to the grandparents' house, you know, for a couple of hours, the grandparents get the fun for mm-hmm. the two hours. And then, you know, the parents are the ones that are, you know, doing all of the nitty gritty at home and yep. doing bedtime routines and baths and homework and all of the hard stuff. Yes. And they just
0: get the fun for the two hours. Hmm. I so connect with that analogy. <laughs> that actually makes great sense to me. I, I'll remember that now. <laughs> sending them to the grandparents' house <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> Although my children, I mean, they my two children that are autistic, they, they don't necessarily give off the same joy and instant happiness vibes. Right that Jack does, their experience is different, but they still have some of these traits and qualities. My, my oldest, she's 19 and she tested, uh, with a genius IQ, which people say, that's incredible. That's amazing. And I think, yes, it is. And it also comes with a lot of challenges Mm -hmm. and, and you don't see that. You just see that they're crushing their classes in school or that they my daughter can read as fast as anyone I've ever seen. And she absorbs exactly what she read. It's, I would say, close to photogenic, but or photographic. Sorry close to photographic um, mind, but not not truly photographic. So it's beautiful in one sense, and then it's so tricky in in another sense. But sometimes from the outside, you only see the uniqueness of it and the things that she's able to accomplish because of that. But there are a lot of things she struggles with because of that too. So I hear what you're saying.
1: That's so interesting. The same neonatal... uh, specialist that I told you about earlier, it ended up, we ended up finding out that he also had a son with down syndrome who at the time was 27.
0: Mm -hmm. I know it's
1: very, very small coincidence, right? (laughs) meant to be, to have this conversation with him, Mm -hmm. but I remember him talking about his 27 year old son. And he said to us, you know, the things that they're really good at, they're really, really good at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the things that they're bad at, they're mm-hmm. really, really bad at. <laughs> and it's so interesting because there are things that Jack can remember like nothing else. He can remember names. He's really good when he goes into a classroom at the school. He loves to learn names. And he once he learns the name and sees it written, he will remember it. And he will remember that person's name when he sees it. <laughs> Um, but then there's other things, whereas if he catches on to crude behavior, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we are in so much trouble. (laughs) He loves like, so it's like the negative things. That's a really Uh, bad behavior for him. You know, he loves to talk about these crude things and Devin and I, sometimes roll our eyes and we just say to ourselves, oh my gosh, where did he pick this up from? Because (laughs) he's really good at the bad stuff. Oh
0: Oh, man. You know what is really neat though about him remembering names is that's something I have tried to do forever because I think I have a hunch just from you saying that, that that means he is really good at connecting with people he is. because that he brings, because when you hear someone say your name, you feel like you're important enough for them to remember your name. Oh, and for sure. Yes. Yeah, so that's really, that's actually really sweet, but I understand that, that, uh, not so delightful behavior. <laughs> And you're just thinking to yourself, please don't say this in public. I, please, please don't.
1: Oh, and we just had, my husband runs a small business out of the home and we just had some clients who stopped by to pick up, um, he's, he builds furniture on the side and they stopped by to pick up their furniture and she worked in special ed. And as she was walking out the door, he said something that was, a little bit crude, probably some potty talk or something. <laughs> and luckily, because she worked in special ed, I think mm-hmm. she kind of laughed at it and it was fine. But after the door closed, both Devon and I went, Oh my gosh, like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> (laughs) Of course, you know, but he has no, he has no filter, which is, which is something that we have to learn how to help him navigate Mm -hmm. and work through, but it can be hilarious at times. And we tell people all of the time, we call Jack the rock star of our family, because honestly, it doesn't matter who else is with us. Everybody wants to see Jack. Everybody wants to be around him. And we are so grateful that people love him the way that they do and that Mm. he is able to make people feel important. He's able to make them feel special to make them feel loved. When my parents come over, he runs to them and gives them a big hug. Unlike anyone else, Mm -hmm. none of the other grandkids love, love them the way that he does. I mean, they all love my parents, but there's just the way that he is able to show that love Mm
0: -hmm. and make
1: them feel special that just makes your heart leap a little bit inside your chest, because it's
0: really special to
1: watch that happen.
0: That is so special. And I love your focus. I just love your focus. So for those that are listening, I am wondering if there's a place they could go to follow you or to find you so that they can, because I will just say that I already know where she's going to send you listeners. (laughs) And I've been to her Instagram page and it's just, it just makes me happy. Your pictures are beautiful. Your posts are beautiful. That's why as soon as I looked, I reached out to you because I thought I've got to interview this woman who I hope becomes a friend because we're (laughs) friends for life. (laughs) actually. Good. I'm all in. I just, I just felt like what a beautiful way to share your life. So where can people go to partake of this beauty?
1: I would love that. You can follow me on Instagram at Zumba Kimberly, Mm -hmm. U-M-B-A. K i m b r b e r l y. (laughs) oh
0: good so that is great so for those of you listening she really is so much fun to follow plus it doesn't hurt that they're just the most darling family so (laughs) (laughs) you'll love it and you'll be inspired by Kimberly's Zumba experience and her exercise and just getting out there and getting it done mentality so I love it you can also find me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. Thank you so much for being with me today, Kimberly. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. My pleasure.